the only answer to this problem is to get rid of the male-female divide in sports. But if that answer means fewer women get to participate in sports, why would we want to do that? No, we're stuck. Hi, everyone, and welcome to part two of my conversation with American historian Dr. Matt Andrews. The Games podcast, of course, focuses on the history of the modern games, but one of the beauties of podcasting is that it lends itself to become a platform for perspectives, a place where different views and ideas can be shared and discussed. In the off-season of the Games podcast, as we wait for episodes covering the next Olympiad, we'll be able to get that diversity of thought through a few interviews. If you haven't heard part one of this conversation, I encourage you to go back and listen to that episode. As a reminder, Dr. Andrews is a professor at UNC Chapel Hill, and he teaches many courses on the ways history, culture, and sports all intersect. These courses include baseball and American history, race, basketball, and the American dream, and, of course, the Olympic Games, a global history. He also has a wonderful and fascinating podcast on sports and American history called American Sport with Matt Andrews. I've linked his podcast website to this episode's show notes, and I really encourage you to check it out. A few quick notes before we jump into the interview. First, as with the other interviews, this interview has very minimal editing. I took out some ums and uhs here and there, but besides that, what you're going to hear is the same as if you heard the interview live. Second, this conversation took place a few weeks before the Tokyo 2020 Summer Games, so while we talk about some concepts related to the Tokyo Games, we didn't know how those things would pan out once the game started. This is also why you won't hear us comment on any of the events or results from the Tokyo Games. Lastly, this is just part two of three with Dr. Andrews, so tune in next week for the rest of the conversation. Today, though, we talk about women in sports and transgender athletes. This discussion reflects the increasingly complicated understanding of fairness in sports, where we've brought sports as a culture and where we are taking them in the future. It's a tangled web, but one that should be addressed. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Dr. Matt Andrews. Let's jump real quick to women in sports. So one of the things that we cover in season one of the podcast is um, the competitors of the game. And we talk about Stamata Ravithi, mm-hmm. who ran the marathon the day after the official race right. as um, kind of a, you know, a protest of, oh, you said I couldn't run. I'm going to do it anyway. And she tried to run on the day, right? But was- she did. Okay. Right. And she had actually, um, it's, it's interesting. She had tried to sign up with the uh, committee several weeks before the game started, Uh, you know, at least two or three weeks, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And she was told, sorry, you missed the deadline. Well, we also know that John Boland from England signed up for the tennis matches a few days before they started because the roster was so low. And so the idea of, oh, you missed the deadline. That's absolute nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. So clearly it was just because they don't, allow women to compete. And I'm not sure why they wouldn't just tell her that. Maybe it was pity. I don't know. But in 1900, women are allowed to compete, but they are only allowed to compete in specific sports. It's, I think, just tennis and golf. Yeah. Uh, might be sailing as well. I'm yeah. uh, Off the top of my head, I can't remember. 
but it took a while for women to be able to compete in track and field and some other sports. And it wasn't until 2012 that with the addition of women's boxing, there's now full gender equality in sports in that every men's event has a women's event equivalent. So it might not be the exact length of the race, but there is, um, there is this idea of a equivalent sport. Yeah, and, and if I'm not mistaken, I think it wasn't until 2014 that women competed in ski jumping. I know that's the Winter Olympics. Okay. Um, but yeah, right. So it, it's not until very recently. You mentioned the marathon. Women don't do the marathon until 1984. Right. A long time. And it's been running it since 1896. It's, it's incredible. But now you have, you know, very recently, it's this idea, okay, everyone is on equal footing. Women are able to compete in sports that always have a uh, men's event equivalent. But now with the, um, with the, increased, uh, the increasing number of transgender athletes competing yeah. in sports and now making their way onto Olympic rosters, as is the case with uh, Laurel Hubbard, is there or should there be a concern for the future of women's sports? Sure, yeah, um, okay. I think about this constantly, this, this issue, and I go around in circles. I really do. And so here, here's how I, and whenever I give talks now, boy, it doesn't matter what I'm talking about. Um, I'm talking about basketball, uh, the NBA, people want to know about transgender athletes. I mean, so it is on everyone's mind. So let me say one thing and then let me tell you how I don't know what the answer is. Um, I, I am, 100% for the inclusion of trans athletes in, 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 in sports. I think that the laws being passed like in this state and around the United States, uh, prohibiting, for example, trans high school athletes, I think they're mean, I think they're cruel, I think they're homophobic. I don't think the people who pass those laws in high school are really interested in women's sports. I think they're just interested in getting trans people out of, out of the public view. I, I, I really do believe that about the, most of the laws that are being passed. I think in high school, for example, we should encourage everyone to play sports. We, we don't want rules prohibiting people from being in sports. We want rules that encourage people to be in sports. Probably in particular, young trans people who, who studies suggest sports can, can, can help them with a lot of the anxieties that they possess, that, that all young people possess, you know, at, at that age. But now when we get to the Olympics, I think it becomes really interesting. And Olivia, I don't, I, I'm, who knows, maybe you're going to help me figure this out. I, I don't know what, what the answer is here. My, my, my gut reaction is let them compete. If a trans athlete, um, well, first of all, Laurel Hubbard has followed the IOC's rules. Laurel Hubbard, being the, the, the weightlifter for New Zealand, was told you need to be under a, a certain threshold of testosterone for an entire year, and then you can compete as, as female. And Laurel Hubbard has done that, and Laurel Hubbard has qualified for the Olympics. And Laurel Hubbard may do very, very well. In, in, in the weightlifting competition. And my, my sort of knee-jerk reaction is good. This is good. This is good for um, normalizing trans athletes. And just, just this is fair. Don't want to exclude anyone. 
but I'm listening to the other athletes and what they're saying. And, and you know, they said the same thing about Caster Semenya, the South African runner. And I wasn't very sympathetic to the claims of, of, of the other runners. Caster Semenya being someone who has identified as female her entire life, has lived her entire life as a woman. Laurel Hubbard was lived his life as a man until age 35 and then transitioned. I think it's very possible in 20 years, the, 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 the gold, silver and bronze medalists in weightlifting in 20 years could all, I mean, if the rules stayed the same, could all be athletes who had gone through puberty um, as boys to men and had lived into their thirties. I mean, Little Hubbard's 42, 43. That's awfully old to be doing really well in, in, in weightlifting. I could imagine as a, another female athlete, I understand what they're saying when they say, hold on, we don't think this is, this is right. I'm not saying they're correct, but I understand where that, that comes from. And, um, you know, I have a lot of friends when I'm not talking sports here who, who, who operate in, in that they, they deal with reproductive rights and rights about sexuality. And there's a debate among, um, you know, feminists and, and, and people who are, who are uh, very progressive with regards to all sorts of gay and trans rights, just sort of wondering, you know, what their stance on um, trans politics ought to be. And so I'll, I'll say one, one more thing and then we'll, there is a way in which you can say what Laurel Hubbard has done is sort of the ultimate in male privilege. No, I'm going to live my life as a man for 35 years, and then I'm going to announce that I'm a woman and lower my testosterone and go win a medal. I, I don't doubt Laurel Hubbard's sincerity that she's a woman at all. I, it, it only works that way, though. It, it doesn't work the other way. And so I, I find aspects of it, if I'm just being totally honest here, and I, I, in some ways I hate being totally honest because I do not want to align myself with all of the people who are transphobic out there and who are passing these laws, I, I do not want to align myself with them. But I see that I get the opposition to it. One of the interesting things that I saw with this, so you have the story of Laurel Hubbard on one side, um, a biological man who, as you said, late in life transition. And then you have the story of um, a Canadian women's soccer player, Quinn, uh, she went to Duke, uh, Duke women's soccer player, biological female. Last year, um, Quinn said, I'm transgender. I uh, no longer identify as a female, but Quinn is playing on the Canadian women's national team for the Olympics. It's, it's almost like, um, you know, if, if Quinn doesn't identify as a woman, the question is, okay, well, why is Quinn on the Canadian women's national team? Uh, um, yeah. so. I'm, I'm less vexed by, by that one. Look, uh, well, what we're getting to in some ways is the absurd situation that we have created where we say that men and women have to compete separately. If we are going to divide people into two categories, there has to be a line somewhere. But news alert, there's no line. <laughs> you know, there is no line. 
we used to think there was in this, there are always people who knew there wasn't, but most people thought there was. More and more, we now realize there is no line. Um, we used to do this with race in this country. No, there's, there's white competition and there's black competition. White and black people can't possibly compete against each other. And then the question was, where was the line? And we came up with a very silly rule in this country. This is, oh, if you have any black blood in you, then you have to be considered black. And we've done away with that. The only answer to this problem is to get rid of the male-female divide in sports. But if that answer means fewer women get to participate in sports, why would we want to do that? No, we're stuck. <laughs> there, is no, there is no answer here. I, I really believe that. Um, now, I'm less familiar with Quinn's story, you said, right? Um, yes. Quinn has not changed their body, has not changed their body in any way, shape, or, or form, right? Uh, um, I haven't looked into it. I just know last year um, she had said, I'm transgender and I'm you know changing my pronouns to they, them. Um, I'm not sure exactly where Quinn is in that process, but um, I I saw the the Canadian uh, the Canadian Olympic team doing a post um, saying um, you know we support you and that Quinn will be competing with the women's national team, yeah. which was just um, I found it interesting because we do have these gender delineations in the Olympics where you have to compete in men's or women's and you have Laurel Hubbard competing in the women's event, but then right. you have Quinn also competing in the women's event. Right. So it's an interesting, um, we, we've, as you said, we've put ourselves in a very interesting situation. Well, and if Quinn were to take, um, do uh, hormonal or testosterone therapy, which many people, um, FTMs do, you're transitioning from female to, to male and uh, often take testosterone, uh, Quinn would not be allowed to compete in the Olympics. Quinn would test positive for, for performance enhancing drugs, essentially, um, unless they had a therapeutic exemption. And that's probably very difficult to get in that instance. Uh, Laurel Hubbard has played, has, has, has done exactly what the IOC has said. You need to be under the 10 nanomoles per liter threshold. It's weird though, uh, um, Olivia, you know, it, you can have more testosterone in weightlifting than you're allowed to have running the 400 meters or the 800 meters, which makes no sense to me, actually. Right. I mean, and now more, more studies are coming out suggesting that if you go through, and this is not my level of expertise, I, I spend more time reading medical journals now than I ever thought I would in my life trying to figure this stuff out. Um, but apparently more studies are coming out suggesting if you go through male puberty, you're going to have long lasting gains in strength. That one year of lowering your testosterone is not going to undo. And I think that's the, the problem that some of Hubbard's competitors, who I think have been very articulate about this, I don't know her name, but, but the athlete who's at the top of the, uh, uh, who I think is favored to win the gold is trying to be very clear. I am not against trans rights. I am, I'm, I, but I just think there's an issue here. And look, I, I get why trans activists might just say, nope, we don't wanna hear it. I get it because they're tired. They're tired of all the BS that they get every day in their lives. They're sick and tired of it. 
but I do think it's a fair question to, to raise here. And one of the things that I remember we uh, discussed in your course at UNC was this idea of, okay, if we get rid of men's and women's events, and we have almost like the premier league um, where you have, you know, the top tier, this is going to be the Olympic games. You have other tiers. And if you, if you rank at a certain, you know, if you reach a certain ranking, then you get to go to the Olympics. And so then the Olympic games would truly be only the top competitors, but then, okay, what if you're at the bottom tier of the Olympic ranking? So you just drop down a little and now you're constantly the top tier of the lower ranking. And there's this whole idea of how do you actually keep sports pure in that sense? And I see what you're saying about the issue with, if you get rid of men's and women's events, that could very likely and probably will push more women out of sports. And it's the same with the national representation. If you get rid of national representation and now athletes have to qualify, meet a certain Olympic standard. Mm. Okay. Well now there's countries where their athletes don't do so well at the Olympic games because they're up against countries that have extreme uh, wealth that is poured into training. But because of the national representation, they can go to the games and they can be Olympians. They might not make a podium, but they are Olympians. But if you remove that national requirement and now they have to reach a certain standard, well, now you've really limited the pool of who can compete. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great comparison, actually, one I've never thought about. Um, And it's all done in, I suppose, what we are seeking fairness in sports, right? I mean, in some ways, that's the goal. Like, let's just have a level playing field. But fair means different things to different people. Is it fair for the fourth best gymnast, female gymnast in the United States, who very well may be the fourth best gymnast in the entire world, that she doesn't get to compete in the all around because we have the three athletes in each event for each. I mean, I, I like the fact that it's not just all Americans in the gymnastics competition or that it's not just all Norwegians in the cross country competition. I like the idea that it's people from around the world. Um, we're seeking fairness. And I just, I honestly don't know what's fair in this situation. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's an interesting, uh, obstacle or um yeah situation that i don't think the ioc ever could have expected to cross this bridge look the ioc in some ways historically speaking they're the worst people to um i'm I'm actually kind of surprised that they're as liberal as they are with regards to trans out i'm glad they are but as you know, they haven't exactly been the most progressive institution. In, I mean, there are some who are less progressive than the IOT, without a doubt. But um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a tough issue because again, I, I don't. If I were in charge, I don't know what I would do. And I like to think I'm pretty open minded with this stuff. But I just do not know what I would do. And the fact that we're leaving it up to the IOC and all these counts and barons and Saudi sheiks and stuff to kind of come up with, 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 with the answer. Um, is, there are a lot of people who aren't going to be happy. Look, what, what, if Laurel Hubbard gets on the medal stand, people are going to be mad. Um, it will be illuminating uh, without a doubt. This concludes part two of my conversation with Dr. Matt Andrews. Tune in next week for part three. 
Thanks for listening to The Games Podcast. The intro music is from Aaron Copeland's Fanfare for the Common Man. The sound effects, transitional music, and theme song are from zapsplat.com. If you have any questions or comments about this episode or any episode of The Games, feel free to reach out via the WordPress site, thegamespodcast.wordpress.com. You can also reach out on Instagram by searching at The Games Podcast and on Facebook by searching The Games Podcast. Bonus material is posted to Instagram and Facebook, so be sure to follow The Games Podcast while you're there. If you enjoyed this episode, I would so appreciate it if you could share it with your friends or leave a rating or a review. It means a lot. Thanks for listening and see you next time.